Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Bourbon Boys. Uh, this week we have a special guest, uh, Mr. Ed Bly. I said his name about ten times wrong and I may have done it again. I've known this man since pretty much the first time I got into bourbon. And we're good friends, but I never call him by his last names. <laughs> um, we basically talk about his new venture with the Rising Tides Spirits where he's opening up his own distillery, air quotes. Basically, he's sourcing whiskey and blending, and then he's going to maybe get into it later on with uh, actually getting his own mash bill. But that's something we discuss in the podcast. Um, Ed and I have known each other for probably three, four years, and probably done 12, 13 store picks, um, bourbon picks, either for his store or for my group. So we both have uh, an interesting dynamic and we both have very different palettes, but at the same time, very similar. It's, it's a very interesting dynamic with us too. So enjoy the podcast. And uh, if you want to get in touch with him, he's on Facebook and uh, he has a web page and all that jazz coming up for, uh, rising tide spirits so enjoy the podcast cut welcome to the bourbon boys you only have one bourbon boy here this week it's uh, chad on the mic but i'm joined by a special guest mr ed blay blay <laughs> every time every time i say it i say it a different way it's blay blah blue all right recut Cut. Welcome to the Bourbon Boys. You only have one Bourbon Boy here this week. I'm uh, joined by Mr. Ed Blay. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Bourbon Boys. <laughs> this is, uh, you only have one Bourbon Boy here this week. This is Chad. Um, welcome. <laughs> Alright, cut again. Cut. <laughs> Welcome to the Bourbon Boys. <laughs> Welcome to the Bourbon Boys. There's only one Bourbon Boy here this week, and I'm joined with Ed Bly. How you doing, Chad? Good. How are you? <laughs> Having a lot of fun already. <laughs> <laughs> well, since your announcement uh, last week of your new distillery, what's the distillery's name again? It's Rising Tide Spirits. And how did you come on that name? That name is actually, uh, it came from Damon Clesia. When I first started, he works for Northern Road Brewery and Distillery, and uh, he had actually given me a quote when when I was first beginning to get into this. It stuck with me the whole time, and it's uh, "Rising tide raises all ships." And I don't, I don't, I didn't research to see who said that quote first, but it stuck in my head. And it, it's amazing how many lives have been able to be elevated based on just what we're doing at the distillery. And I have to admit that I'm still mad that you went on another podcast instead of mine first. But, oh, sorry. <laughs> but I'll get over it. 
they have a few more <laughs> listeners than I do, so I make sense. Uh, so, how's it been since the announcement? Crazy? Oh, insane. Because, you know, I'm trying to wrap up here at Cork and make sure that everything's uh, ready to go for them and start doing what I'm working on at the same time. And you've had two releases right. since then, too, of Blom Brothers and uh, OWA. Yeah, 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 they both were huge lines. Did Blanche sell out now, the, the Rise? There was a, there's a couple straggler bottles left on the Rise. How, many, I mean, how it, many of the bourbons did you get? 40 of one barrel? No, there was around 100 of each bottle. Oh, okay. I thought somebody said 40. Yeah. That's why I was like, damn. Well, there, there was, uh, we reserved a few of them for future stuff. Oh. That's yeah, it was, uh, it's a lot of bottles, uh, a lot of barrels, and uh, Tuesday morning release at 10 a.m. and still had 65 in line. And for the first time, uh, a brand's been released in Kentucky. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. And the OWA, you had uh, 400 bottles plus? Yeah, 420, and uh, their line was around, we guesstimated, about 385. Sold out in, you know, one, basically one, one time yeah. around the line. Uh, yeah. So... You're moving on, and you're you're being replaced by uh, Eric. Yeah, Eric Bowman. Uh, he ran Fort Thomas Deaths, I believe, for five years, but worked with uh, the Deaths family for 15 years. I told um, him it was Rick. nice of them, nice of you, to let him talk for five seconds on the Bourbon Pot Pursuit podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he was on vacation in Fort Wife. I feel so bad for it because it's like. I know that she really doesn't know what's about to happen. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sure his phone has just gotten nuts in the past week since that all went it's down. It's getting there. Uh, and uh, mine mine hasn't slowed down any, so... <laughs> I'm sure it won't. You're going to have to get two phones, one for people you really like and other people for the other one. And everybody else. Right? <laughs> the back phone. So, moving on to this new place... Um, is it still the plan to be in Northern Kentucky? Have you settled that yet? Yeah, so we're in the middle of property negotiations. So I got to be careful what I say here. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the goal is to open up in Northern Kentucky. If that falls through, uh, what's the next location? Do you have any idea where uh, you? Are? Um, I want to be somewhere along seventy-five. Okay, that so, makes sense. Yeah. So you want to be close enough to uh, to Barstown and. All the, the main areas, but still have your own path. Correct. Correct. You know, we, we've been designing this entire endeavor a little different than a lot of other places are when they first open. Um, I'm not looking to hang my hat on a story about some guy that has nothing to do with my distillery or what we're putting out right now. That sounds familiar. Um, every, it, there's a lot of that. Yeah. You know, it, it is. I don't need a story to sell good products. And you, so, you plan on doing all sourcing uh, from yeah. your last article. Um, yeah. The thing that really intrigued me that I don't know that I'd heard you talk about before was the bourbon and rye blends. Uh, or uh, bourbon and rum, sorry. So the bourbon and rum is a, is a neat thing. There's definitely some characteristics in rum that highlight and complement what bourbon brings to the table. Has anybody else done one of those? I don't know that I've seen it. Yeah. Jordan Morris uh, over at Fortuitous Union did a uh, rum rye blend, uh, MGP rye and uh, Trinidad rum. That was really tasty. Uh, it's called Fortuitous Union. Interesting. Is there a, a yeah. specific rum that you're looking to use potentially? 
there is. There's a specific type of rum that's uh, heavy on the butter and uh, vanilla milk. Okay. Yeah, I just had never seen that that union before. So when I heard that on the podcast, I was like, "That's really interesting." Because I know yeah, from your profile it, of things I've done with you in the past that you do really enjoy that rum characteristic of things. Definitely. Um, and it, uh, it complements the spiciness of bourbon very well. So like you said in the other podcast, uh, you are planning on just being exclusively a source and blending place. Correct. Because you So don't not just get blending, but single barrels as well. Yeah. Exclusively sourcing, though. Is you, are you planning on sourcing from several different places or just one main place? That's the goal, but, you know, we have to see what happens as we go. I'd like to be able to have a bunch of different profiles of, of spirits to, to work with. And we know that there's one main sourcing place now, MGP, that I think you recently yeah. visited. And that's yeah, not a normal, <laughs> that's not a normal <laughs> tour that you get to do, though, is it? No, no. So that was really neat. That was actually uh, to go over and check out the, what Remus has been doing and uh, get a little taste of what all goes on over at MGP, and they do not do very many tours. Yeah, I saw, um, the, uh, saw the Instagram and thought it was really interesting because you don't see pictures from there very often. No, and you know you'll never see pictures from the inside of that place. Um, and they're very they're very close flip on uh, on their numbers and uh, everything they do inside. But the first thing I can tell you about that place is it's massive, <laughs> massive. And for for your newest place, if you do you plan on getting custom uh, mash bills done, or are you just going to buy the stuff that they're so that we are looking at uh, having custom mash bills done actually at a few different places. Okay. So sweet. Yeah. Uh, I know there's quite a few places that do that stuff around Kentucky now. The custom yeah. mash bills. It's quite interesting. Is there it anything is. that you're planning, uh, like a mash bill that is more suited to your flavor profile that you gravitate towards? I, I like variety. It's I'm a spicy. Not, uh, I'm not. Uh, uh, you won't find me going in the store and buying the same bottle off the shelf every time. When's the last time so you I, bought a bottle? Uh, yesterday. <laughs> that you didn't. That you didn't pick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard. I mean, you know, I already know I like it. I picked it. <laughs> That's a good point. I've seen your cabinet at home. I know you got quite a few of those. Yeah, just a few. <laughs> uh, so, how many barrels do you have left coming through cork? Um, I think the number is around fifteen. You finished off with wild turkey, of course. I did, yeah. That's a very special pick for me. I saw the pictures. Is that going to be your last, your birthday bottle, the final one? Yeah, so that was, it's kind of like my last pick, period, and um, and Eric's first as the official cork guy. So The last hurrah. Yeah, we did uh, We did three barrels for cork on that trip. That's amazing. So it should be, should be pretty special. Eddie's obviously been a great friend for many, many years now. That's the one. That's the one barrel pick that I wish I'd been able to go on with you, because I know that uh, you get the special treatment down there. I haven't been you on so many. A little bit, but uh, you know the truth is they really don't have to treat anybody special there because all their stuff is good. Except so, Daddy knows where all the secret stuff is. Yeah, well, it's crazy on their barrel picks. They're pulling from center cut. I mean, yeah, you're talking that's prime real estate for whiskey. Yeah, when we went there, I went there with Bluegrass to do one, and uh, we went with, with Bruce. Was who showed us around, yeah. and yeah. they pulled out the stops. I mean, they pulled no punches. Let's say 
they brought out no. anything you wanted to taste, you could taste it, except for if it was earmarked by Eddie, then there was that was off limits. Right. Yeah, they, they really do. They they run a very great operation out of that Rick house and uh I can I can honestly say I've got more memories in that place. Eddie jokes I still live in there more than he is. I, I tell people <laughs> you have a cot upstairs somewhere that I just can't locate yet. It's fun. I I never trade any of those experiences. So with the new place I saw you were planning you're planning on having a restaurant involved. Is there a type of cuisine that you're shooting for? Is it gonna be like a sports bar um, type place? Th- there is. I wanna have a very nice facility. I, I I like that look a lot. I, I feel comfortable in it. And so the food obviously coming from a culinary background is very important to me. Um I'll be working with the restaurant to make sure that the place that comes in will have the right type of food for us. And speaking of your background, you came from Texas, correct? I came from uh, northern Kentucky, Cincinnati, and went to Texas and came back. Yeah, you moved You moved back to to uh, Cincinnati area from Texas. Correct, yes, sir. Uh, what were you doing uh, when you were in Texas? Um, I had moved down there to take a job as a medical assistant uh, for a neurosurgeon. And uh, a totally different uh, set of uh, problems for me. <laughs> Um, so I ended up moving back. It's a very interesting and, and eclectic background there. It's wild. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of different things, and every bit of it's culminated in what I'm walking into. So how do you think your medical background will help you with your uh, your new endeavor? Uh, it teaches you compassion, patience, and customer service. <laughs> <laughs> customer service in the hospital. Patient yeah. bedside <laughs> service. That's right. Uh, but it definitely teaches you a lot of patience. <laughs> so, are you planning on having a cigar bar as well at the new place? Uh, I'm, I don't know. There's, it's still being drawn and developed and all that fun stuff. So, I have, I have a general idea of what I'm looking for, and I'm working with the guys that know to make sure it's exactly what I'm looking for. Is there any distillery that you've been to that you're sort of drawing inspiration from, or is it going to be completely? That's a good different? question. I really like what uh, Willis done with their new upgrades. I like that look. Marianne has a, a, an equally uh, um, upper tier look from a different direction. Mm-hmm. I, I like that style. I like a lot of wood and I like a lot of, a lot of glass. So like a rustic barn wood look to it? No, more modern. Mm. Um, I'm looking at like uh, heavy logs and a ton of glass. So we'll see. You know, it all it's all, all being developed. It may change. I'm still efforting to get Marianne and Brett on this podcast at some point if they'll respond uh, to my people. emails. She, uh, she came up, uh, oh gosh, a few weeks ago and hung out for a couple of days before she was flying out with CBG. And uh, <laughs> she always makes the point they have to go see Luke Cole over at Ryan Guys, who's their uh, sours and uh, uh, barrel aging manager. <laughs> and I swear, I sat down in the basement over at Ryan Guys and I listened to her and Luke Cole talk for 15 minutes. And I bet you I understood about three words they said. <laughs> Were they talking about fermentation and all that jazz? Oh, all the, all the stuff. You know, everything that ends with an IUS they were talking about. And it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole other uh, conversation that, uh, that blew my mind. But it, it shows, you know, how much everybody takes their passion so seriously, and she's going to do great. Yeah, I mean, the few so, times I've met her, she's definitely been very informative and personable and just seems like a great person right and not only that but the products that she's making already are fantastic 
unfortunately I haven't had a chance to try anything since the new make since I live so far away now but maybe if I'm able to get them on the podcast they'll send me some samples or something well we've had a couple barrels down there aging for court that we got in uh, right off the bat with just because I believed in her and Brett um, and they're down there they're about a year and a half old now how are they turning out excellent uh, oh they're awesome yeah they're so the first barrel that we did was day two distillate and let me tell you day two was a good day <laughs> <laughs> actually had kevin ming on a couple weeks he did a uh, a couple weeks ago he did he did a barrel there as well um so yeah, he's a good dude moving on to the new place is uh is there anything you'd like to tell me that you haven't divulged already? Anything you've knew? Uh... What we're going to focus on is a little different than what everybody else focuses on in the industry. Everybody that talks about whiskey is telling you about the process of, a, of making the white dog and how it goes into the barrel. What a lot of people don't talk about is what happens after it's in the barrel. To me, that's the most important part when you're talking about blenders and you're talking about single barrels and things like that, proofing is so important that nobody notices it until it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And then everybody notices it. I know you're a big, go ahead. Sorry. I said, I want to, I want to focus in on the filtration, on the proofing, on the the barrel selection side of it, on, on the blending side of it. I want to, I want to really focus in on the parts that matter the most, at least to me. And I think that everybody will agree once they taste our products. I, I know you're a big uh, oily mouthfeel guy. How do you think uh, bourbon develops an oily mouthfeel? Um, I think it has to come from the temperature that it's cooked at uh, through the white dog. I also think it comes from the wood and the drying process for the wood. So I, I think it's a combination of, of places. It's not just one place. And. I know you like Dusty's as well. I had a question a while back uh, that was yeah. given to us. What do you think is the difference uh, between Dusty's and current bourbons that makes it so different? Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of differences. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of differences. And without saying all of them, I will say that the oak has a lot to do with it. The entry proof has a lot to do with it. The cook temperature has a lot to do with it. Everything matters. And what we're working with today is so modern compared to what they had then to work with. It, the rudimentary flavor comes through. So, so uh, what's the cook temperature that they used to use before that they don't use now that makes it different? Well, I believe to, in order to go into alcohol vapor, it's like 176. And uh, most of the places are running in the mid-190s right now. And what's the so, advantage of doing it at a higher temperature versus the lower temperature? I, you know, I'm, I have my theories. I'm obviously not a distiller, and I'm certain that there's a lot more guys that know more about the distillation side of it than I do. Yeah. But in my opinion, it's kind of like pasta water. When you, Before it starts boiling, adding a drop of oil to it, and that water, that oil clumps right in the middle of the pot. Mm-hmm. As soon as it goes to a raging boil, it gets spread out, also goes out through the steam. So the lower cook temp, the lower the cook temperature, the more you're squeezing from the grain without boiling it out. And I know you're a big uh, lower barrel entry proof guy, and we had a question about mm-hmm. that. I know I even texted you sure. for your opinion. 
and it's all opinion. I mean, nobody knows for sure what the yeah. difference is. So, no. what's your opinion when it comes to the lower uh, barrel entry proof? I believe that water dissolves uh, sugars and tannins faster than alcohol does. It also penetrates further in the wood, dissolving more of the sugars. So lower entry proof whiskey to me will be a much rounder product in a younger time. I've had uh, another another guy that uh, you know pretty well, Jeff, on before talking about blending. And he's yeah. a proponent of blending and bottling almost immediately so that you stop the process of combining or... Are you more of a proponent of blending and bottling immediately or letting it marry? Um, it depends. Normally marry. Otherwise, they're just going to fight in the bottle once you pop it. So what do you, th- what so do you like, think the reasoning like, behind the marrying being better is? I, well, I mean, they're, they're completely different emulsions that are combined. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically what white dog is to a degree. And then it goes into a barrel you got the oak that's influenced in with it as well, so they're completely different products. They're going to have different weights, different masses between the oil, the alcohol, and the water, and each one of them being different. It takes a while to really combine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, all that stuff is pretty geeky when you start getting to it. Um, your, your normal people that listen to that will probably be like, what? But I, find, <laughs> I still find it pretty interesting. Of course, oh, when, you, when you talk mouthfeel to me and oily, I think I said it on a different podcast. Like, the first person to ever say that to me was Ed. And as soon as he said it, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? I I, I just drink it, and it's like, okay, it's good or it's bad. Um, I, mean, I start to get notes a little more than I used to. and But the oily mouthfeel is something I've never been able to really uh, I'm, you know, I'm, pick out. I'm a why, I'm a why guy. I want to know why. if if, if it's making my mouth feel different than something else I want to know why so I I look into stuff a little bit further and probably geek out a little bit more than a lot of people do I do know that you're not a fan of the drying aspect of of whiskeys no not at all what's what I don't I'm I'm not not a fan of anything really that dries out your mouth it's just a weird feeling to me do you think it's the oak that does the drying uh yeah tannins so oil coats your mouth Hides, uh, hides heat, also lengthens the finish, makes it chewy in the mid-palate. Uh, not oily whiskey is just the opposite, obviously. It's dry, it's thin, hot. Hmm. All things are super interesting to everybody. Yeah, I enjoy it. I mean, <laughs> it, it really, when you pay attention to what's going on, as opposed to just the flavor, whiskey is really, really fascinating. Flavor's great, don't get me wrong, but... Everything else makes it interesting. You were, ta- you were talking about Rheingeist earlier. I saw your beer that you posted on Instagram. Yeah. Is yeah. that a cider they did? Yeah, so that's a cider. Um, I actually worked with Bob Oxford a little bit on it. He had it already tasting fantastic. Um, but uh, we tweaked just a hair on it, and, and oh, my gosh, it's perfect. And we all know perfect. you don't have many hairs to give. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're certainly not splitting any of them, that's for sure. <laughs> so when you moved, I heard you were going to do several different different labels under the same uh, name of Rising Tide. Well, just brand, yeah, brand label. So it's not going to be a Rising Tide bourbon. It's going to be another name under the Rising Tide. Correct. Got it. Have you worked on so, the uh, logo and all that jazz yet? It's all it's all in the process right now, so I'm like knee deep in the whole thing. Nothing so, like being knee deep. Oh no, 
Believe me, I use that term carefully. <laughs> <laughs> so you got another month left at Cork and Bottle, right? Yes, sir, another month. So you got another month for people to harass you. Hey, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to my vacation afterwards. <laughs> How long are you taking off after you get done before you really get into the nitty-gritty? I, I won't take long. Maybe a weekend or so. And you're expecting to open in next year around this time or fall? I, we're shooting for October, but you know how that goes with the new construction. So. This October, like four months? or No, 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 a year from this October. Got you. I mean, zoning just on properties like eight months out. I'm looking forward to it, man. I know you're going to do, you're going to knock it out of the park like you do most every other thing you do. I'm going to try my best, that's for sure, and I'm going to have fun doing it. So, so in closing, gotta, go ahead. I said I have a great staff kind of put together already behind the scenes, and uh, they'll make their own attention when it comes to that time. I'm still waiting but, uh, for my offer letter. <laughs> you didn't get it yet? It's in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> so in closing, uh, is there anything you'd like to close with? Any closing statements? Yeah, definitely. I just want to thank everybody that's listening for supporting me over the past few years and uh, being excited about what we're working on because I I can't even begin to describe how excited I am about the whole process. And you'd also like I to just, say that you like my podcast over anybody else's, correct? I like your podcast, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was very convincing. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on so close to the announcement, uh, even if I wasn't first. If you're not first, you're last, I guess, but... No, you're far from last. I'll There's still a lot of announcements to come. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say in closing, enjoy your pours, and thanks for coming on, Ed. Thanks so much, Ed. I'll talk to you later, man. See you, man.